again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We're pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. We are taught this week by lead teacher Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. Our Father in heaven, we, we do uh, ask you now as we come into the teaching of your word, that we might have minds certainly that are open, but more importantly that our hearts, our hearts would be receptive to what we find to be truth from you. We pray, Father, that we wouldn't seek to follow just because we think it's best for us, but we pray we would seek to follow because we want to honor you. So bless this time, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. For you that are new with us, welcome. Glad to have you a part of a series that we're in that's entitled The Lovable Law. Law is lovable, though it may not appear such at first glance. It's on the Ten Commandments, and we happen to be in the fourth of the Ten Commandments, which has to do with keeping the Sabbath holy. Now, in that particular teaching... Uh, we have looked at uh, last week, the first of three weeks on this one law. That's how important this particular law is to you and to me. Not just to the heart of God, but to you and me, how important it is. Last week, we saw the what and the why. What is the teaching and why would it be so important to follow? Now we're going to be turning and moving into the how. How do you go about keeping the Sabbath or today the Lord's Day? Last week I built the case that most people today seem to be in a pace of life and in a, in a way of life that is in somewhat out of control, unraveling. Today it's very common to see people in extreme exhaustion, uh, to see people in depression of all different sorts, to see people who are in moral failures that are, are pretty significant in terms of consequences, and many of which are the people who are saying, hey, I, I really am trying to follow God. I really am, and I'm, I'm struggling. I can't figure it out. What's wrong? I'm suggesting to you that the problem is not, as one person said, as I quoted last week, Oh, it's an issue of our, of our schedules. It's disordered schedules. And one author says, no, 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 no. It's an issue of disordered hearts. Those schedules are issues. They have to be addressed. But the real issue is the heart being disordered. God has given a divine plan to deal with disordered hearts. And it's a one day of rest out of seven. Now, we have to understand what. I, I don't get that. You know, how do you, how do you rest? What does that mean? Well, we're going to see the text itself first, and then we'll explore a little further. Let's read the text again in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you should not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, 
your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, I said last week that any of God's laws, particularly the laws that are challenged to us, take faith to be able to follow. Uh, two days ago, I was mulling this over, thinking about it as I was preparing, and, uh, and it dawned on me. I said, isn't it interesting that as we lose loved ones who are Christians, we take extreme hope and deep confidence in the reality that our, our loved one is out of pain, is out of, you know, struggle, that they're in heaven, that they're experiencing glory as we cannot even imagine. And I, and I know some people may struggle in that belief, but most people it's just like, oh, I'm just so comforted. I'm so, oh, it's just so good to at least know that they're, they're with the Lord and they're in heaven and so forth. Here's my question. How do you know? How do you know there's a heaven? Who says there's a heaven? Has anybody ever of your or my friends ever been dead for a week or two, come back and say, hey, let's, let me tell you what's going on up there. You're going to love this place. I've, I've seen it. It's good. It's real. No, 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 no. There's no, no way of knowing except one way. What is that? God says so. He says of the heaven. We say, okay, I, I accept that. God says, keep the Sabbath. What do you think? One out of a hundred Christians? I don't think it was that many. That consciously think about, I want to figure it out and I want to pursue keeping the Lord's day. No. You look at the Christian community who are in the youngest of generations now, coming up and their thoughts about sexuality. What you can do, what you can't do, or at least what you are doing in spite of what we're told by God we shouldn't do. And you say, well, wait, 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 don't you know that what God says? Well, I don't know, it's just hard to buy, it's hard to believe that, you know, it's just that I hate not to, and, that, 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 and oh, if I kept the Lord's day, you know, that would be real, and I'm not really sure, and we have all of our reasons. What's the difference? Here's the difference. The things that come according to our desire Oh, how easily we embrace. But when something cuts across the design of our desire, now, oh my, that's where we got to have faith. Faith is trusting because God said it, right? Granted, there is a lot of misunderstanding about the Lord's day. And for that reason, there. It, it, it literally adds to our suspicion about, is this really good for me? Should I really do it? Because everything we hear is, oh, you can't and you must. Oh, you can't on the Lord's day, but you must this. You can't. And, and it just seems, it's not, it's not the way it's designed to be. It's my goal that in these three weeks, we're going to understand that design. Now, four teaching points. We covered one last week. We're going to cover two this week. And then the final one next week. Here's the first one we looked at last week. God designed us to spend one day a week resting from our labors. We talked about the meaning of Sabbath. It means to cease or to rest. It also means to interpret. 
Very important, to interpret. Now, the word holy means to set apart. It literally means to make special. And so last week, what I was trying to convey is, look, God has set before us a plan. It's a divine plan. And it's, it's not a jump start. It's not saying, okay, your battery's run down, jump it. Whenever it gets down, just jump it. And, you know, take a little day off here. Uh, take a, uh, take a, a longer vacation. Take more vacations. Spend an hour every morning this. Do that. Th- those are jump starts. Nothing wrong with some jump starts. But they're not going to be near so necessary if we have a trickle charge. If you know what that is, it's a prolonged charge. God says, here's the deal. Six days, go for it. One day, recharge. Long, slow, trickle charge. We talked about some exceptions. There are some exceptions, and we went over those. And then I quoted an author who said, the design of a single day's rest is not so much to cause cessation of personal activity as it is to stimulate the right type of activity. So here's the question that we would probably be asking, what are those activities? How do you do do that? I'm going to start with some of that at the end today, and I'm going to pick up tomorrow or next week. So how do you do it? Before I do that, can I just make this request? I'm going to plead with you. If you were not here last week, listen to the podcast. It lays the foundation for what we're talking about this week. Now let's look at our second of the four points. God designed us to spend one day a week remembering the past. And give you a heads up, the third point is going to have to do with the present, and the last point is going to have to do with the future. And so we're going to talk this week about how do you deal with the Lord's day? What do you do on the Lord's day as it relates to the past and the present? And then next week, we'll look at how we use the Lord's day as it relates to the future. So what do we remember? Remember what? I'm going to suggest two things you want to remember. The first thing we want to remember is it's a day to remember God's work as creator. It's a time to remember God as creator. Now, I'm going to suggest to you on the front lines of the warfare for the souls of our children is the issue of creation. You go to the schools today and you're not going to find it very favorable if you start bringing up the theme of creation. You can talk about evolution. It's fair game. You do not talk about creation. That is totally out. Why is that? Let me tell you, it really is at the very heart. If you want your kids to have a stable foundation spiritually, I would really want to keep underscoring the beauty of God's design, the why, the house of creation and understand. Now, I talk to, uh, I talk to non-believers all the time, meet them over lunch time and time and time again. Inevitably, when we start talking about the Bible being God's Word, is it God's Word, is it not? Well, I really don't think I can quite go there. I don't really, I don't think I can accept that. I say, well, that's interesting. I understand, but I'd love to know your, your understanding. Why, why is that? Well, there's so many things you can't believe about the Bible. If I've heard this once, I've heard it. Who knows? 
Well, there's so many things, you know, there's some things you just can't believe. So if you can't believe part of it, you can't believe, well, what is it that you can't believe? Well, well, for instance, and I know what's coming. You know, the Bible says early on, from what I've told, that, that it's, the, the world was created. And of course, we know that science has proved otherwise. I always say, really? Share with me some of the proof. Well, that's not an enjoyable response for them to have to make because that's hard to do. But they say, I just, I said, where do you learn that? Well, I learned it in school. Really? Let me make a suggestion to you, as I would say to them. I'd say to them, why don't you do this? Have you ever read one book in your life from a creationist who is a very respected scientist? I've yet to have anybody that I've been talking to. I know there are, but I haven't talked to them that have. So the typical answer is, well, I haven't. I said, I'm going to make a bet. I would bet you that if you read one and for sure two books, not that you're going to become a creationist, but you're going to back off of your certainty that this world came about by the means you say without a creator. You're going to back off of it in a big way. You've got to understand things. In fact, I say, do you want me to share a few of those things right here? And I can take just three, four, five minutes. And they're going, hmm, hmm, hmm. I say, see? And I'm not even a respected scientist. So let me suggest, remember God is creator. That's why God says, I want you to spend a day. Why? Remembering. I give you a practical, very, very practical idea of how to do that. If you're capable and you can take walks, take a walk. Get outdoors. The more in nature it is, the better, but out in the woods, but most of that not possible for most, most of the time. I can do this in my neighborhood. Houses and pavement. And you just start that little walk and you say, God, I'm going to take a walk today. I'm going to ask you, would you just show off to me just a little bit today? You can do that through the trees. You can do it through animals. You can do it through whatever means, but just show off. And you start taking a walk and you start gazing and looking and remembering God is the designer of all that. Wow. See, let me give you a helpful understanding of what it means to, to spend the Lord's day. I like to imagine that I live in a huge box, a room. It's a big, 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 big room. It has four walls. And right in the middle of that room is only one thing, and that is a treadmill. And I'm told that I'm supposed to get on that treadmill by my designer. I'm to get on that treadmill for six days. And I'm to, I'm to go at a good pace for six days. But then there happens to be a window that is way across from me. And that's all, just one window. And I'm told that one day a week I should get off that treadmill a lot of Christians do that. A lot of Christians don't. They just say, I'm going to keep going. If I keep going, I'm going to be better, better. I'm just keep going, keep going. 
But some of us say, no, 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 I'm going to get off the treadmill. And we get off the treadmill. And that is so healthy and so good. But that's not the extent of what God's teaching is. The idea and the ideal is that we take a little walk to the edge of that room, to the window, and we peer out of it in a prolonged way. And we're taking a look into eternity. Where I'm standing is in time. And I get to get a glimpse, and it's a long glimpse that brings perspective so that now for six days I can get up on the treadmill and keep, keep going with understanding of what and why the treadmill. That's God's plan. Now he says, by the way, you can take some looks out there a little bit during the week. You got a little time, you can kind of check it out, but, but you need those long sustained peerings into the beauty of eternity, bringing his truth to bear upon us. So God's work as creator, there's a second reason. This one is big. It's also a day to remember God's work as redeemer. Now I find it very, very interesting that if you were to read Deuteronomy 5, you would come to verses 12 through 14 and you would see in the midst of the giving of the Ten Commandments a second time, that everything seems to be identical, 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 identical until you come midway through the Lord's command about the Lord's day. And now instead of giving us the aspect about creation, it flips and changes. And this is what we read in verse 15. You shall remember, and this is after talking about keeping the Lord's day, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Notice the remembering there. Now we're to remember not just creator, but redeemer. Very, very important. Old Testament, oh, people, remember, you're my people. I, I brought you out of Egypt. You remember the story of being, you know, under Pharaoh and Egypt and God brings them out and, and he does it how? Redeeming them through blood. The little lamb, the Passover, the blood had to be put on the lintel of the door and so forth. And if, if you didn't have the blood there, you would die. It, it, they were redeemed. And the, the picture is not about this little lamb dying and the blood, but it's the blood of the lamb of God who would one day come. So we come to the New Testament and we understand, oh, our remembrance is not, oh, remember how we were brought out of Egypt. No, no, no. That was a picture Notice how we've been brought out of sin. That's what we want to remember, our redemption and what he's done for us. I think of it like being employed. Imagine that you're employed. And in your employment, your boss, who is the one who employed you, makes a decision that negatively affects you in every way you can imagine. You are so disappointed that this person would do what they have done, made the decision that they decided, has its negative effects on you. You're so disappointed that now it's turned to anger and you are angry at your, at your employer. How would that ever change in light of the circumstances that still exist? Without changing those circumstances, how does that change? Here's how, getting a different perspective. Let's assume that you were hired when you were truly not employable. 
You didn't have the skills. You knew that you were going to have a lifetime of struggle because no one would want you. You're just not capable of doing much at all. And, and this person employs you just as a kind favor. And you now have the job of your life that you think, how is it that I could have ever gotten this job except my employer graciously gave me my job? If I thought much about that, oh, how it would minimize my frustration probably to the fact of no anger over a decision that has affected an employment that I didn't even deserve. Do you know in the Christian life, it's, it's just like that. How many Christians are so put out with God? I've had enough with God, I just don't care anymore. Because after all, look what you allowed in your divine providence, and you can do whatever you choose. I know that much, and therefore, I'm put out with you, God. I'm not put out with evolution and, and the effects of evolution on my life by what happens. No, you're the one in charge, so I'm ticked with you for what you have allowed. And that's the way it will stay until you remember he's your redeemer, and he's purchased you. And you didn't deserve it. And he shed his blood so that you could have life eternal. And that the promise of the one that would do that is that I work all things together for good in your life, even though you can't see it. It's, it's a whole different thing. And God says, when are we going to remember? If we don't take a day to really remember, a deep pause to remember. We remember him as creator. We remember him as Redeemer. I'll give you a little homework assignment. I meant, I was going to read it today, but I, time-wise I won't. You take the text of Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. You go home with that on this day of rest and read about the redemption in those seven verses and just dwell on it. And I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll make you have second thoughts about your anger with God on the problems that we face. If we don't take time to remember our redemption, here's what's going to happen. We're going to lose perspective on life. We're going to lose perspective. All we'll think about is production and income and promotions and our house and, and our, our family. And is everything tucked away? Are kids everything we want them to be? Is this happening? Is that happening? Is our health good? I mean, that's, it'll just all be consumed on this kingdom. And when this kingdom crumbles, and it will then all of a sudden our world has been shattered and now it's gone. What, what, what's left? Why hope? There's, there's nothing to life now. No, 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 no. If you remember your creator, your redeemer. i tell you what else it'll do. If we don't remember our redemption, we'll lose perspective on the Christian life. You know what happens? We begin to believe it's a very minor shift, and we don't even see it. Here's what we believe. We begin to believe that Jesus saved us so that he could be our Savior. That's the subtlety. Next thing you know, we haven't been remembering our redemption. We haven't been remembering. So what happens? Oh, yeah, Jesus saved me so that he could be my Savior. No, he did not. He saved us so that we can be his disciples, his followers. 
Next thing you know, we begin to think wrong and say, well, he saved us so that we can enjoy life. He did not save us to enjoy life. He saved us so that we could enjoy him. And so when we start focusing on life, can I enjoy life? Oh, I can't enjoy life. No, no, no. That wasn't the intention anyway. No wonder there's confusion. We're designed to enjoy him. Next thing you know, we're thinking, well, God saved us so that, so that we could be happy. No, he did not save us so that we could be happy. He saved us so that we could be holy and be people who give glory to him in all things. I've counseled through the years, through the early years of this church, so many times with married couples, and how many times I've repeated this one over and over. Couple comes in, they want a divorce. Both members of the church, both much declaring themselves as Christians. So you're Christians, right? Yeah, I'm Christian. Do you have biblical grounds? Well, no, but we just can't live. This is miserable. We got to get out. We just can't go. We, we got to get. So I always ask this question. I say, I got one question to ask you. I'll ask the husband first. I'll say, let me ask you this question. What do you want more than anything else in this world? You can name anything you want. What do you want? Top of the list. Here's the response I hear. All I want is to be happy. I mean, that's, I'm not asking for a lot just to be happy. And there's no way to be happy with her. Okay. Sometimes... I know her, and I say, you're probably right. <laughs> Just honest. And it works the other way, too. So then I ask her, I say, tell me, what do you want more than anything else in this world? I don't want much. I'm telling you this. I don't care about money, and he doesn't have to make a lot of money. You know, all I want to do is be happy. And I'm telling him, but he's done this, that, that. I just can't be happy. And then I just say, hey, I'll tell you what my recommendation for you is. Y'all go get a divorce. Go ahead, get your divorce. Because you're living like the world. That's what the world would do. Yeah, go ahead and get your divorce. Because why not? You just want happiness, and it'll give you a temporary break at least. But let me tell you, as a Christian, we're, we're designed by God to bring glory to Him. And we try to figure out what's the best way to do that. Maybe in modeling life through tough marriage. When there isn't biblical grounds, then it's different if they're grounds. Maybe that's the best way to accomplish what God has designed us to accomplish. Perspective is everything. Can you imagine, what if you, what if you were put in jail? Have you ever imagined, go by a jail and, and, or a you know, city where the, I go down on Memorial and you see the big thing there with, you know, and you go, oh my goodness, look at that jail. And What if you were in there? For years and years, I, I, my mind just runs wild. And I think, oh, I'll never be outside. I'll never have the freedom to walk here. I'll never be able to buy this. I'll never be able to go. I'll never be able to see this. I can't. Oh, man, misery. You know what could change that perspective? What if you went to jail and you did so intentionally? You broke a law. And you end up in jail because your son is in jail. And he's the love of your life. And you want more than anything to just be with your son for the rest of his life. You're not trying to get out. You tried to get in. Why would you try to get in? It's the love of your life. 
when you fall in love with God, you say, God, I want to be in wherever it has to be to be with you. That's what it's about. It's enjoying you. It's not enjoying life. It is enjoying you. Let's just move for a few minutes, and it's a brief one, but let's look at the third point. God designed us to spend one day a week reevaluating the present. I like what Gordon McDonald writes when he talks about Sunday. He says, Sunday is a time to interpret our work, to press meaning into it, and to make sure we know to whom it is dedicated. To interpret. I love that idea. That's what that's what the word Sabbath means. It's the idea of interpreting. So what are some ways that we can do that? So I'm going to give you four very practical ways. They're in your notes. They're in the podcast notes as well if you're interested. But here are four quick and simple ways. First one, it's a time to reevaluate our spiritual progress and discipline. So what I would suggest is that on a Sunday that you do something I've called through the years called PP and P time, pencil, paper, and prayer. And you can do this 15 minutes, you can do it 10. I'll just show you this, just these four things. And you sit there and you just ask yourself questions, like you give yourself a, a kind of a spiritual assessment and just say, you know, what kind of progress did I make this week? Was it a good week or a bad week? Spiritually speaking, how are my disciplines this week? Did I spend time with God? Did I listen to him? Did I did? Did I, you know, just whatever. And just do an evaluation and say, what's something little, not huge, just something little that I could do to make a little progress this week over last week? Just a little bit, something very small. Or number two, put it up. It's a time to reevaluate our family's spiritual progress. That is, if you have a family, you, what if you just sat down and said, okay, what about, am I spending adequate time in the role that God's called me to in this family? Have I set my priorities in a way that, uh, could I maybe get them a little bit better? Could I, could I, shift into my role in a little bit more significant way, not a big way, just something to get me a little further than I am right now. Or then number three, we ask ourselves, uh, realize it's a time to reevaluate our effectiveness at work and our motivation for working as we do. A great time to, to start asking the questions about your work, not just what I'm doing, but why am I doing this? Am I working hard enough or am I working so hard enough, but am I working just so that I can get what I want to get and I can have people think of me the way I want them to think of me? And well, how this week could I take that before you and, and just make this week a little bit better? Number four, it's a time to reevaluate our physical and emotional condition. It's a time to ask the question, all right, how am I treating the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is my body? Uh, how am I dealing with it? Uh, how, how's, my, how's my diet been? And, and maybe the better question is, if it's been good, why has it been good? I mean, we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons, just so, well, people look at us and think better of it, you know, all kind of reasons, but it's just to reevaluate and then to talk to God about that. Well, what a great time to ask how well we're setting boundaries in our lives so that we can have, you know, emotional health, have I let the boundary slip? Should I be maybe correcting a little bit of boundary here or there? And think about doing this week after week after week after week. 
Maybe it's a good time to ask this question. How well am I thinking on the truth? Or am I letting my emotion and feelings become the loudest voice or maybe even the only voice I'm listening to? My feelings tell me this, therefore I've got to do that. No, 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 no. Oh, I need to reevaluate. That's not, you know, this week I need to be thinking on the truth in this area, just this one area, one little tiny step this week. What if every week we got off the treadmill, we went to the window, we peered out to remember he's our creator, he's our redeemer. And then with that, maybe we just sit down with a little P, P, and P time and just see what happens. Who knows? God designed us to spend one day a week with him. Next week, we're going to look at number four. God designed us to spend one day a week regulating the future. We'll look at what does it mean to go to the window and peer into the window of eternity and remember the future. Remember the future. It's going to be an interesting discussion. I'm going to conclude like I did last week. The law. Oh, it just seems so hard. Why do we have to have the law? Answer, because God loves us that much. You remember this. As I said last week, I'll probably say it again next week. I want to keep remembering. So you put the law in the right perspective. Remember the little kid who had no interest in girls and therefore had no interest in grooming, could care less about grooming, and then meets that little girl that he finds himself attracted to. And now he wants to find out where deodorant is. Where's a comb? Where's something nice to put on? Show me a toothbrush. It's like, I want to... I want to groom now. Why? Well, I, I kind of like her. You see, the law shows us how dirty we are, how we smell, and it gives us no hope of getting better. And so it becomes a tutor, and it just drives us right to the cross of Jesus Christ. And at the cross, we see his love. We see what he's done for us, and we fall in love with him by his grace. And now, all of a sudden, we want to groom. Hey, how, how do you groom? Oh, I got 10 good ways right here. And we go, oh, how I love your law. Yeah, they're my grooming laws. I like them. They're good. I'm going to appeal to all of us right now to declare war. Let us declare war on selective obedience. And let's not pick and choose which laws we want to keep. And let's say, God, I understand these. These make sense to me. I like this, and I want that, and that's good. And I'm going to do that for sure. But, but I'm not going to selectively obey and say, I'll have the sex life I want, but I certainly wouldn't kill anybody because you say it's wrong. I certainly wouldn't do this because you said, but, oh, the Lord's Day? No, I wouldn't keep the Lord's Day because that's not so, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Or, or to tithe, no, I wouldn't do that because, you know, I'm not really sure. But I'm not sure about all things you say. No, let's declare war on selective obedience.
as a Christian community. And if you're not yet in love with God, I don't blame you. I would not find the law attractive at all. But you know what I'd do? I'd run to it only because the one so attract, unattractive to you can help you so much. Just be selfish and run to the law. And then let it be your tutor to take you to the cross to fall in love with God. Christian, it's a lovable law. Let's keep the Lord's day. Let's pray together. Father, easier said than done, even as I shared with Carol. Oh, how good this has been for me to uh, reinvigorate my own mind and heart toward the beauty of this blessed day. I pray you would grant us all here, whether we're lost, to be able to find this law and run to it to show us just how desperately in need we are and to then follow its direction to lead us to your son, Jesus. For those of us that are your children, God forgive us. We've, we've almost despised your law. We've set it aside with no rationale except I just don't want to. And I pray that we would be a group of Christians that declare war against selective obedience and would embrace your law in every respect. Grant us to make just a little bit of progress this week, a little more next week, until in time we find ourselves right where you want us to be. So we pray this all in the great name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.